Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode of the First Time Watchers podcast. My name is Tim Costa, and those crickets you hear behind me are my absent co-hosts, pod racing, being cloned, turning to the dark side, who knows what else. Uh, however, joining me tonight are two very competent guests. First up, from Film Geek Radio, Mr. Andrew Johnson. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. I find your lack of competence disturbing. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Can, can you show me the, the, the way, Andrew? Show me the way. Yes, yes. Okay. Just embrace your anger. Oh, believe me, I will. <laughs> uh, and secondly, Matt from Simplistic Reviews. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Thank you, and I clearly have the high ground here. Oh, so boy. I don't think there's anything else to be said about that. I, I, am a, I, have, no, I have no chance against you two, do I? Do, do, I, doubt, do I doubt your power? Uh, well, obviously you do. You do, and, okay. you sh- and you should, because I am powerless. Well, uh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> said with such passion with mm. such passion um, anyways what we usually like to do on the FTW podcast is find a movie that none of us have seen watch it together and then discuss however in this bonus episode we'll be discussing the Star Wars prequels Tatooine is sparsely populated if the trace was correct I will find them quickly master move against the Jedi first you will then have no difficulty in taking the queen to Naboo to sign the treaty at last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi at last we will have revenge. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. There's a nobody there. The Gungan city is deserted. Some kind of fight, Mr. Thinks. Do you think they have been taken to the camps? More likely they were wiped out. Mr. No think so. You know where they are, Jar Jar. When in trouble, Gungans go to sacred place. He was trained in the Jedi art. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. Impossible. The Sith have been extinct for a millennium. I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing. Ah, hard to see the dark side is. We will use all our resources to unravel this mystery. We will discover the identity of your attacker. May the Force be with you. It's not disrespect, Master. It's the truth. From your point of view. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? His fate is uncertain. He's not dangerous. The Council will decide Anakin's future. That should be enough for you. Now get on board. Qui-Gon, sir. I don't want to be a problem. You won't be any. I'm not allowed to train you, so I want you to watch me and be mindful. Always remember, your focus determines your reality. Stay close to me, and you'll be safe. Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midichlorians. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside yourselves, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. I don't understand. With time and training, Annie, you will. 
Uh, so obviously, uh, we're we're doing uh, this episode in the anticipation of you know the Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Uh, but before we get into the prequels, I really kind of want to start with each of our you know history in relation to the Star Wars franchise. Andrew, let's start with you. Well, I remember seeing the original Star Wars as a kid and liking it. I then think the next one I saw was probably Return of the Jedi. And I actually don't think I saw Empire until I was a teenager. Um, and when I was a teenager, that was around the time that Phantom Menace was getting ready to come out. And people were getting really excited. And that is when I really started to get into Star Wars, is when all the hype around Phantom Menace was starting up. And, and, and that kind of became my thing to latch onto as a teenager. And I ended up rewatching the original trilogy buying a ton of the Expanded Universe novels, many of which I still have, because I'm a total nerd <laughs> when it comes to that stuff. And I remember just, just devouring every bit of Star Wars mythology that I could get my hands on in anticipation of The Phantom Menace. Uh, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, not too different from Andrew. I think I was introduced to it. Uh, my dad introduced me. Uh, he, my dad would record everything, no matter what. It was on VHS, VHS, VHS. So if it was on TV, it was recorded. So I remember he would usually, right around the holidays or whenever, my dad would want to put it on. He would take out the v, uh, have the VCR, to, uh, take out the VHS, and just put it in. And I think the first thing I ever saw was uh, Return of the Jedi. Don't really have a good recollection of it. I know there were like these little bears when I was a little kid. I think I probably saw when I was about six years old, seven years old. So I saw little bears and Empire was very distant for me because I don't know. I don't know if my dad didn't want to show me uh, Empire Strikes Back. It's too dark. I don't know what the issue was, but I distinctly remember because bears running around on screen. Uh, and then late, later on, um, I got into the video games. So I got into, of course, you know, Shadow of the Empire and um, all the other uh, Rogue Squadron on the Nintendo 64. So I think my introduction to Star Wars was more video game based, if anything. And then, of course, 99 rolled around. I'm a teenager. It's like, hey, Star Wars is a cool new thing now. And I remember watching Phantom Menace quite a few times in the theater. And then like Andrew buying expanded universe things, buying the novelizations. And the novelizations, I think, were awesome for the prequels. And uh, like uh, Tales from the Bounty Hunters, I I read. uh, read a lot of stuff from R.A. Salvatore. So a lot of novels were kind of more my thing. I didn't really collect the toys because I didn't have the money for that. And my parents believed in books more than Hmm. toys, I think. So I was forced to read my Star Wars, not play with my Star Wars so much. Yeah, I was the same way. I, I didn't buy a lot of the prequel novels, but a lot of the novels that came up around the original trilogy, I just was completely obsessed with, especially like the Timothy Zahn mm-hmm. series. And, and I just I, I read those multiple times as a teenager. Yeah. And uh, I also was really into the video games. I'm glad I'm not the only person who was obsessed with Shadows of the Empire. I love Shadows of the Empire. It's such a hard game, but... But have you tried playing recently? It's I have not. not. I, I, I would be curious to know if it holds up. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to get around. It's like you walking on edges. It's like uh, think of Mario if you're playing Mario Brothers 3D and trying to do a platformer game. Yeah, uh, I remember it's it being, incredibly hard. I remember it being kind of difficult. I'm not sure if that was intended or if it was just bad gameplay mechanics. But. 
at the time it was awesome. It's like, I can't believe Star Wars on Nintendo 64. Uh, right. So, and Shadows of the Empire, another awesome novelization, if you ever read that. That's probably yes. one, of my, one of my favorite expanded universe novels. Such a great, it should make that canon. I, I don't think it's canon anymore, but it should be. Uh, well, you guys are actually a lot deeper into the franchise, uh, yeah, we're in, yeah. into the canon the, and extended canon than than I am because, you know, my my history really just revolves around the films and the toys. You know, I, I never really got into the novels or the uh, comic books or anything like that. Uh, you know, I was born in '78, so obviously New Hope came in '77, and all all the movies were. You know, I was too young to see them in the theater, but I do remember my mother. Uh, my mother is really the person who introduced me, you know, my, my love into movies. And she taped a lot of stuff off a, t a TV. And when these rolled out onto network TV, she taped them for me. And I even remember all the breaks, you know, like she would pause when the commercials <laughs> came on and, you know, you would see the skipping in the in the VCR tape. And, and I even have a very vivid memory of uh, it, my, my first experience with... Um, Empire Strikes Back was um, it, the opening. The, the opening scene to me was when the uh, the droid, the, um, the 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 probe droid, the probe droid comes up from the uh, the snow after crash landing. So when I finally saw the movie as a whole, I had I had never seen the opening crawl. I had never seen the droids, uh, the probes being dispersed throughout the uh, system. So uh, that was always kind of an interesting uh, memory in my mind, you know. So my first experience, you know, with seeing these in the theater were the special editions uh, back in 96, 97, I think, when they were released. Yeah, about that time. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, there was a huge big deal then, and it was it was great to see it on the big screen, just you know, even with the the added features and whatnot. And then, of course, yes, uh, I I uh, with the prequels, um, I, I saw all of them you know, multiple times in the theater. You know, I, I so this is this is interesting. You know, the thinking about the hype of the Phantom Menace. And it, it, you could really, I think, equate it to the hype surrounding the Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Now, you know, uh, it, the, the the anticipation and and the wait for it. You know, of course, the the, on, the online uh, uh, discussion of it is a lot different. You know, uh, mm. but but I think the the overall anticipation is comparable. And um, you know, you could compare it to the the pre-sales, $50 million in pre-sales for The Force Awakens already, uh, when, you know, uh, you probably had to get your ticket a week or two ahead of time for The, for the Phantom Menace, and I got mine uh, a week ahead of time, I remember, and I actually stood in line f uh, for two, maybe three hours uh, before... <laughs> before the uh, it, the showing and I was literally the first person in line so I sat down on the carpet in the, in the theater uh, <laughs> for uh, for a couple hours so which was pretty cool you know and in the atmosphere was amazing I don't know if you guys have any recollection of the atmosphere going and see uh, uh, the Phantom Menace Matt uh, not so much the Phantom Menace I have more of a because I, I don't believe I saw those movies the first day it came out okay. I, I wasn't first in line for Phantom Menace I don't even think I was first in line for um, Attack of the Clones. I think it was for the um, for uh, Revenge of the Sith. I actually 
got in line and waited in line for I think for four hours wow. at my movie theater to wait to see this because this was like this was going to be the culmination hmm. of the prequels of, of how you know we know how good the prequels were. Um, and I guess the other thing too is that this was one of the last movies I ever saw with my dad too. Hmm. Uh, my dad didn't go to the theater a lot, but I told him, like, hey, come on, Star Wars. And he's like, okay, Star Wars. I hate the theater, but I'll go with you. So that's also like a really awesome memory of me seeing like the last movie I ever, my dad ever saw in the theater was, you know, episode three. So that was really cool. But I think with the internet now, though, too, that, of course, people buy their tickets online. Whereas back in the day, 99, 2002, 2005, you had to actually go to a movie theater mm-hmm. and say, two please or yeah. one please or however many people are going with sure. you. Whereas now it's you sit in front of a computer and it's like, okay, Fandango, here you go. Mm. So it's it's a little weird now how much everything's changed in you know, uh, 16 years. You sure. know what I mean? Sure, sure. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, I I honestly can't remember much about the, my viewing experience of the prequels. I was 12, I think, when uh, Phantom Menace came out, and I uh, grew up overseas, and I honestly can't remember with the prequels if they came out worldwide hmm. on the same day or if maybe I had to wait a couple of weeks to see episode one. I, I can't remember. But I do remember seeing episode three at midnight uh, at my theater there and I believe that that was a worldwide release interesting yeah I, I see here Phantom Menace came out in Canada and the US on the same day on May 19th but uh, it was released in subsequent days and months uh, overseas so okay okay yeah. Um, um, but so yeah the main one I remember there is episode three just in terms of the viewing experience but I, I, I think I saw episode one like Three or four times sure. in, in theaters. It was the kind of thing where it was like, uh, oh, I'm kind of bored. I guess we're supposed to be Star Wars. Uh, so, so Andrew, uh, you know this. This might be interesting. Then, so you say you were twelve when you saw Episode One the first time, and you know I know you obviously you rewatched it uh, recently. So, what was uh, what was uh, the comparison? What was it like uh, experiencing it then and experiencing it now? Experiencing then, I, I I remember liking it as a 12-year-old, <laughs> and then I remember gradually over time when I was probably around 16 or 17 rewatching it, and it really starting to sour for me and, and realizing, oh, I guess all the criticisms are right. This, this movie really does kind of suck. <laughs> and it, it eventually reached the point where, like, I I could not stand to watch Phantom Menace, and and really, whether or not I would absolutely hate every moment of Phantom Menace or be able to tolerate it, kind of depended on my mood. <laughs> Whenever I watched it, I never <laughs> knew. Like, this time when I watch Phantom Menace, is it going to be tolerable, or am I just going to be stewing in my frustration for the next <laughs> two hours? Uh, and and recently, I rewatched it. And I still think it's a, a kind of a mess of a movie, but I found a lot more to appreciate. And I now actually think that it's a, a 
far better movie in some respects than Attack of the Clones. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interesting. Matt? Very interesting. Uh, I mean, when I saw, um, I I was uh, 99, so I was born, I I was like 14 years old when this came out, so it was like ninth grade, freshman in high school. And I think, like Andrew said, it was one of those movies, hey, let's just go to the theater. Hey, there's a Star Wars movie. It's like, yeah, I saw that. It's like, okay, let's see it again. So just saw the movie a few times in the theater, and then, of course, when came out on DVD, you know, buy the DVD and everything like that, and being excited about, oh, two discs, you know, special edition. I get to see what happened behind the scenes if we really cared to see what happened behind the scenes, even though some of the deleted scenes were kind of interesting that they didn't include in the film. But, um, yeah, uh, over the past month or so, I've really been, like, obsessively watching these films over and over. I don't know if it's because I'm so excited to see a new Star Wars movie Hmm. and so excited to see what the new experience is going to be that I'm trying to, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just a masochist who enjoys watching <laughs> these prequel films. Granted, I, I watch a prequel, then I'll watch one of the original trilogy and it all evens out for me. <laughs> but uh, like Andrew said, there are, as, as many people would disagree with me and yell at me and, and uh, point their finger at me, there are certain things about this film that are okay and they're, decent enough but there's so many things about it that just bother me dialogue uh annoying characters annoying kids scenes that go on for way too long uh there's just a lot of issues and if i'm passively watching this movie i don't mind it because i'm kind of i'm focusing on something on the internet and i'm like oh episode one's on in the background i'm passively listening to it or something but then i hear like mystical <laughs> and then it's like, oh damn it! I'm watching this movie. Fuck! I can't believe this. So, <laughs> it's it's a very weird love hate relationship with these prequels. I think for the most part, especially Episode One. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's going okay. First off, you guys are too young because I know uh, <laughs> I, I I saw this when I was still 21 years old, and um, so you know. My, I remember my experience in the theater, you know, it, it was it, it was probably tainted because of the hype around it and the atmosphere and everybody was so into it. Like there were people dressed up as Darth Vader and, mm. and, and as as Jedi's in, in bathrobes and and there was even people dressed up as Batman and Robin. They just came in and sat down. <laughs> it was crazy. Um but uh, you know, and on, on subsequent viewings, you know, I it, I'll, first off, let me say my first viewing of it, I came out was like, "Hey, I really enjoyed that movie." You know, I liked it because it was Star Wars. But mm. you know, over time, I've I have begun I have seen the flaws. You know, and honestly, I think watching it this pa- a couple of weeks ago is my first time watching it since doing this podcast. So I, I was able to have look at it from a different angle. You know, uh, because since doing this this podcast, I've been able to to see movies in a different light, you know, uh, from a different point of view, essentially. And, and to see this, it's really amazing how many things just don't work, but how many things are really cool because there's undeniable star Wars stuff in here. That is, that is great. I think the, the thing that everybody points to is the pod race scene. The pod race scene is something that totally holds up. It's something that is, is so well done because there's no denying that George Lucas uh, had always had a vision, and I think still had a vision throughout these, this trilogy, this second trilogy, of of action scenes, and staging those sequences in action scenes. They're tremendous. The 
not not just the way it's staged, the sound design in the pottery scene, the way it's edited is is amazing. It, it, I think it's just stupendous. Uh, what do you think about that, Andrew? I think that the pod race scene is definitely one of the highlights of the film. And I know that there are people out there that really don't like the pod racing scene and say, oh, this is a waste of time and it's just a, a big distraction from the grand scheme of things. But I agree. I actually think that that is a really, really well done action scene. And it's kind of interesting because the first time I saw the film as a 12-year-old, I probably would have told you the first act is really boring. Something about a trade embargo. I don't oh, get it. God. And <laughs> yeah. then the movie gets better as it goes. Now, I think I would probably say the opposite. I think I would probably say the beginning of this movie is actually the best. And it gets progressively worse with each act. <laughs> and the pod race scene is right in the middle. And I think it's the the last really, really solidly put together sequence. Andrew, Andrew, so. the fight scene. The fight scene between Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan. Come on. I mean, at least that's okay. well choreographed. I would have probably liked it a lot more if Darth Maul had been an engaging villain and mm. if we weren't constantly cutting back to that god-awful space battle. Yeah, that was pretty... With the annoying uh, Anakin Skywalker saying... Yeah. Let's try a spin. No, it's like, oh god, that, that's awful. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I agree, and that goes hand in hand with not just Jake Lloyd's acting, but all the children that happen to appear on the screen. They're just terrible. That that scene where all the children are around the pod and and making yeah. fun of Anakin. It's it's cringeworthy. It is so terribly executed. The the acting, the overdubbing, the the the. <sighs> The dialogue, it's just terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, George Lucas has a, no, I hope FBI isn't listening. He has a hard on for kids being in movies. <laughs> and I'm, I'm always anti child in movie. I don't care if the kid's important. I don't want a kid <laughs> in my movie for the most part. Unless it's an old kid's movie, which it, it sounds creepy. I love the Goonies, but I don't need some kid in there to ruin my time doing this. And uh, jumping back to what you guys were saying about the pod uh, racing scene, while it's it's a fine scene it's to me it's not the highlight but i think that really goes back to i want lightsaber fighting i don't want pod racing hmm. racing but i think um that's looking at it from this perspective now where we've had some cool lightsaber scenes in the other prequels and what we have to maybe look forward to now because if you look back at the some of the lightsaber scenes in the original trilogy sure. there aren't there aren't a lot of them no you know the first one with vader and obi-wan fighting it's like two men holding sticks yeah like stick fighting. Right. So I don't know why. I mean, the pod racing does get a bad rap, including myself, which I'm not the huge, biggest fan because I think it goes on for a little too long. Hmm. Um, so looking at it, I'm like, I want more lightsaber scenes, especially when you have the Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul scenes. Like, I want more of that. But that's 32-year-old Matt speaking. <laughs> Whereas back in the day, and I'll, I'll make an amendment, I was 15 and a half when this movie came out. So yeah. a little bit older, Tim. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're slightly forgiven. Um, uh, you know, and, and kind of uh, tied into the um, the fight scene is the, the song, The Duel of the Fates. Uh, you know, and, mm. and that's something that pervades throughout the whole trilogy. You know, it's brought back from time to time in different forms. And I, I think... You know that that musical sequence stands right up there with anything in the original trilogy as well. Uh, John Williams really, I think, really brought his A game to that. Uh, what do you think about that, Matt? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it holds up with the actual suite, with the uh, with the overture, with the dun dun dun. I think it's right. almost as iconic now as it is that uh, song because you hear Duel of the Fates even in some of the uh, cartoons and some of the other iterations of Star Wars uh, TV shows. You hear the Duel of Fates every once in a while come up, and it's it gets your heart pumping. I think it gets my heart pumping more than the overture, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, John Williams' score, it's, it's the one thing you can't argue with. You can argue with a lot of things in the prequels and even the original trilogy, but there's no way you can – you can't sully the Williams. And if you try to, <laughs> you will die. You will be – you will be forced choked. Andrew? Oh, I agree. The music is fantastic. Uh, I know that there – you can actually uh, go and watch uh, – there's a there's – a, Star Wars musical tour, you know, the, 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 you can watch uh, an orchestral symphony uh, play selections of the of Star Wars music, and I, I've been to see it, and it's absolutely fantastic because the music in all the movies is phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. And so let's go to the performances in, in this one. You know, uh, obviously we've we've railed on uh, on the child acting, which is which is you know, <laughs> uh, it's obvious, it's an obvious flaw, but. I uh, I think Obi um, Obi Wan, you know, played by uh, Ewan McGregor, is a standout. I think he's a standout in the whole trilogy. I think he gets better as it goes along, and I think I really I really do enjoy his performance in this first movie. You know, as someone who's who's in between that, you know, still some somewhat of a young apprentice, but also confident enough in his skills to be able to move forward in whatever he he's needed. You know, uh, Andrew. I I agree. Ewan McGregor is fantastic i would say he and uh ian mcdermott probably give the best performances across the prequel trilogy they're they're both great uh liam neeson also really does a fantastic job as qui-gon in episode one um and you know what i cannot remember the actress's name but i'm gonna i want to give a shout out to the the actress who played shmi uh, Anakin's mother. I think mm-hmm. she actually does a very good job as well. Uh, Pernilla August. Yes, yes, she's yeah, her. she's she's really good. <laughs> and um, but but to you know, I don't want to badmouth the performers too much because you know if you read about even on during the original trilogy, uh, Harrison Ford telling. Lucas, you know, you can't say this shit. You know, you, you can't say this. Like, this dialogue right. is awful. And yeah. and really, that is the problem here, is the script yeah. and the fact that I don't think George Lucas really knows how to direct actors. I mean, the very fact that he would either tell or even just allow Jake Lloyd to say, yippee! Oh, my God. But that's yeah. a, that's amongst the thing. other I mean, that, things. That just shows you how how clueless he that, is when it comes even, to even, actors and performances. Yeah, so he, I really don't think it's fair to blame the performers here. Even that yippee is is dubbed in. It's it, dubbed in. It's, it's so it's terrible. Rough. Why? It's, Why? Why, George? Why? It's cute. It's a cute oh. kid saying a cute thing after uh, a flying uh, animal man alien says, "You can go home." Oh God, <laughs> this is so bad. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, Andrew, it's it's something about it. You can't blame the actors. Yeah, Ewan McGregor puts in a real a, a de- a, for what he's given. He's doing as much as he possibly can. Same with same with uh, Liam Neeson. Same with Ian McDermott. Same with Samuel Jackson. You know, all these people are doing what they can with what they have. 
And um, yeah, I mean, George Lucas has never been able to write like scripts. I mean, that's why he's written stories, not like screenplays sure. or other other things, you know? No, uh, agreed. Yeah. And, you know, with the performances, I, I honestly think the performances get better as they go along, probably because the actors themselves are more comfortable with their roles. And, well, and also, I believe with episode three, Lucas had a co-writer. Okay, but the thing is, with with episode three, and I, we'll, we'll probably get into that a, a little bit later, but in, uh, in more in depth. But in episode three, you know, sixty percent of his idea was in episode three, and and he had to stretch out forty percent of the remaining idea into these first two episodes. You know, so and that's that's one thing that I really want to get into is is what ultimate purpose. Uh, does episode one serve other than finding Anakin? I don't think there's much purpose at all. I, I, if you if you co- see if you c- uh, connect try to connect anything from the first episode to the f- other five, there's nothing really there. There's nothing there uh, other than some some basic Senate stuff, and that doesn't even really matter in the long run. You can get that in episode two. I mean, mm-hmm. it, uh, Matt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean there. Like you said, there. I mean, and a lot of people will argue this that episode one is completely—it's a moot point for the for most people. And they've they've even said that if you went right to episode two and saw, okay, Anakin Skywalker, he's an adult now or a young adult, it's like, okay, cool. Like I didn't care about him as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about him. I didn't care about any of these characters for the most part. And even the Qui Gon Jinn element—they bring it back ever so remotely in Episode Three. Yeah. That it's—it's it's like it doesn't even matter. It's like you could have maybe figured out like, okay, I guess Qui Gon Jinn was some type of uh, Jedi who now Yoda talks to, and now Obi Wan can talk to him too. So yeah, yeah. there was so little to take away from this film outside of, uh, okay, I guess uh, Padme Amidala is kind of a badass in the long run, so she's like <laughs> the new Princess Leia type character, right. and that. Her and Anakin got the you know, got the petty eyes for each other, or something like that. Um, so there, yeah, there really isn't a lot to take away from this film. I mean, you get rid of a villain who could have been a cool villain, and then you just cut him in half. And thank, thank goodness he lives in the expanded universe. But <laughs> no, he's gone after that. One of the coolest villains you could have created is gone after after. 10 minutes of screen time of that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, yeah, going into... I mean, is there anything, any last thing you got... Any of you want to mention about episode one before we go into two? I, I want to disagree a little bit with the idea that episode one is completely superfluous. And, and, and oh, boy. <laughs> I, I actually feel, after the most recent rewatch, that episode two is the most botched of, of the prequel films. Master Jedi, the Prime Minister is expecting you. I'm expected? Of course. He is anxious to meet you. After all these years, we were beginning to think you weren't coming. Now please, this way. May I present Lama Su, Prime Minister of Kamina. And this is Master Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I trust you're going to enjoy your stay. Please. And now to business. You will be delighted to hear that we are on schedule. 
200,000 units are ready, with a million more well on the way. That's good news. Please tell your master, Cypher Diaz, that his order will be met on time. I'm sorry, Master... Jedi Master Cypher Diaz is still a leading member of the Jedi Council, is he not? Master Cypher Diaz was killed almost ten years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. But I'm sure he would have been proud of the army we've built for him. But I am grown up. You said it yourself. Please don't look at me like that. Why not? It makes me feel uncomfortable. Sorry, milady. From the moment I met you, all those years ago, not a day has gone by when I even thought of you. And now that I'm with you again, I'm in agony. The closer I get to you, the worse it gets. The thought of not being with you, I can't breathe. I'm haunted by the kiss that you should never have given me. My heart is beating, hoping that that kiss will not become a scar. You are in my very soul, tormenting me. What can I do? I will do anything that you ask. What's wrong, Annie? I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. Really, though, honestly, there's a problem with the prequels as a whole. The problem with the prequels as a whole is that they're poorly structured. Okay, I don't care what anyone says. You know, Lucas can say all he wants that episodes four, five, and six were planned as a trilogy. They weren't. They weren't. Okay, Star Wars came first, and it was successful, so then they made five and six. And... You know, those films hang together fairly well, given that they weren't originally planned as a trilogy. This is a situation in which Lucas went in knowing, I'm going to make a trilogy. We definitely knew that from the very beginning. And there are ideas that I feel like he really wants to explore in all of these movies. And he wants to draw some, some through lines through them. Yet the way he has structured them really ends up messing up a lot of it. Um, and and I agreed to a certain extent that probably we should have spent less time with Anakin as a kid and probably only didn't, we didn't need a whole movie of that. Um, but on the same, at the same time, I do think that there are, there are elements of episode one to appreciate. For example, I like the fact, oddly enough, that, that it is such a kid-friendly movie. 
And yes, a lot of it's too ridiculous and too childish and poorly done. But I like the fact that this first episode is so just cartoony and you've got a lot of comic relief and it's so bright. Okay, why like, why do most, you like that so much? Because, well, yeah. here's why. Okay, most of, most of the uh, the action scenes take place in bright daylight. Okay, the dominant colors are bright blue and bright green. Even Tatooine seems like this shiny, glossy place. And I visually, it's very distinct from the rest of the entire saga. And I like that idea. If you notice over the prequels, the color palette gets progressively darker. Yes. And I mm-hmm. like the idea that we're, we're starting with Anakin as this innocent child in a place of, of bright purity that is gradually going to get darker and darker over time. I really like that idea. They even make a point in the, uh, the episode one of saying that Anakin's defining trait is his compassion and his willingness to be kind to strangers. And I, I like how we, we've got this idea of Anakin as this pure, innocent, uh, prophesied figure of a virgin birth, possibly the chosen one or the savior. And then I, I, I think that that really does, at least in theory, make his fall even more tragic. And I like that yeah. contrast that Lucas is at least attempting to develop yeah. over the course of the prequels okay. where we're going to start really, really bright and childlike and happy. And then by the time we get to episode three, it is just darkness and anger. Okay, I like how you are still saying he's trying and he's attempting, and uh, mm-hmm. but he doesn't succeed because you don't get enough of, of Anakin's kind of um, struggle or at least conversion from this a wholesome good little child to this this petulant teenager that you see in the second episode and and um you know you get this one instance of of him saying i'm cold you know i feel cold and and if there was more if he was able to focus on that more instead of focusing on all the senate bullshit you know, mm. if he was able to focus on that more and focus on the character, his character development of of his his inner conflict with him leaving Tatooine and leaving his mother behind, and that and that growth from him into a teenager of, of him missing his mother and then ultimately turning, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, finding his mother and turning and, and killing uh, and slaughtering those those. Um, that tribe, you know, it would have, uh, I think, had a much better impact and overall arcing story. You know, you, you know what I mean? I agree to a certain extent, and and I agree. Yes, in many ways, the execution is flawed. But on this most recent rewatch, I was I was able to kind of see what Lucas was trying to go for, and I really a- appreciate the goal, even if he didn't quite achieve it. And I honestly. All of these, I, I think a lot of the relationships and the development of Anakin that we're talking about should have happened in episode two, and it did not, for reasons we can get into in a few minutes. But I, I like this idea of Anakin as a young child. I like the fact that, you know, as Yoda says, we have this whole idea of fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And oh. so 
I sense a lot of fear in you. By the time we get to episode three, Anakin says, I hate you. So, so there's this idea of this gradual progression that Lucas sets up that I like. And you know what? As a kid, all the Senate stuff bothered me. I thought it was boring. As an adult, I actually really kind of admire what Lucas is going for. See, I, 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 I think it's really ballsy to take this huge action-adventure franchise and, and, and get, get what's probably the most anticipated movie of the past few decades and make it about a trade embargo. Okay. I mean, Andrew, Andrew, that's a crazy decision. Yes, it's crazy. And, but how can you appreciate something when it's not executed very well? Because I would I'm the kind of person I would rather see a filmmaker try to do something interesting. This is something we've had, we've had arguments over. To do something I've seen before and succeed. Oh. And I think Lucas here, he tried for something really interesting. He tried to make. You know, a two hundred million dollar, whatever the budget was, political thriller. He tried to make a series of films in which, in the background, the fall of Anakin is being mirrored by the fall of a government. Andrew, do you give and, your and that to me is really, really interesting. Andrew, do you give your students A's for efforts? Yes, sometimes. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I think the, the main problem is that the tonal shifts of just like seeing a carefree kid kind of descend into darkness or try to descend into darkness with trade embargoes, it's shifting too much. And I think it's hard for maybe like adults to really take away like, OK, I'm used to the original trilogy that had these specific things happening. And then you have such a drastic change in what you're seeing on episode one where it's like fart jokes and kids being silly and yippee and things like that. So I think that's – and I'm not going to blame that. I kind of will blame it on Lucas, but I blame it on the fans also for having the expectations of I'm used to seeing four, five, and six. Why is episode one giving me these types of things and everything like that? Hmm. So I, I can see where now as an adult you might say, yeah, um, a government falling is kind of interesting instead of just like pod racing or uh, kids being kids or space battles and things like that. Cause as an adult, our sensibilities obviously change from being 15 or 12 and that you want something more. You're look, And I think we're also looking for something more substantial in these movies. Whereas Lucas kind of just made a film for kids and made it for his kids at the end of the day, when you really think about something like that, did, did we need the prequels? No. I was perfectly fine with four, five, and six. I didn't need to know the origin of Darth Vader, per se. Well, I, well, I agree. Episode one is definitely for kids, but I don't think it's fair to fault it because oh, it doesn't adequately show the fall of Anakin. I think episode one is meant to just be happy. It's meant to be pure happy Anakin. The darkness stuff hasn't quite started yet. It's there on the surface. You know, we see the appearance of. Darth Maul, and we have the whole idea of there's always a bigger fish. There's always two, you know, and, and something's <laughs> coming. But I, but I like the idea of uh, the, we having a Star Wars film that is everything's happy, everything's pure, and we're getting little teeny weeny glimmers foreshadowing what's to come. But on the whole, it's just this is happy Anakin before the tragic fall. And I, I'm, I'm okay with that idea. I agree that the execution with the fart joke, it was a little <laughs> too much, but, but, but I, I can see what he was going for. 
Uh, so I guess that'll bring us into episode two. You know, we have uh, 10 years, uh, you know, movie time. We have 10 years in between. We go from one movie where, which was chided for a child actor to another movie that is chided, chided for a child actor. Uh, so, I mean, what do you guys have to say about, uh, you know, um, Hayden Christensen in this movie and anything else uh, about the performances, uh, Matt? Hmm. Overall, I mean, this is where things get kind of interesting in the prequel <laughs> uh, talk is in my opinion, the prequels did get better as they went along. Episode one, it's a Star Wars film. I don't always appreciate a Star Wars film, but I won't say it's better than the Attack of the Clones, even though Attack of the Clones, if you know, we were talking earlier about stuff that's just filled with just filler, 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 filler. This is the ultimate pillow talk movie where it's just, filled with crap and things that yeah you're getting into the darkness of Anakin you're seeing where his angst comes from and you see things that really shape his future as you know Darth Vader as we know but this is also the the longest Star Wars movies at, uh, out of all six of them right and it's filled with so many things that just it's like you could have cut this by 40 minutes it would have been perfectly fine the third act is strong the the second act is almost unwatchable in my opinion. There's so many things in it that just kind of bother me. Um, and once again, the novelization is excellent. I love the novelization because you can see how you can talk like Anakin how you want to talk instead of how An how Hayden Christensen talks like Anakin Skywalker. So that might make it a little bit uh, better for me as well. Interesting, uh, Andrew. <laughs> Episode two for me, I think is is really. A terrible film. I think it's it's the worst of the this entire saga. And I used to agree with you. I, I used to agree that episode two was better than episode one, but after this most recent rewatch, I just see the, the like honestly, it is a miracle episode three works it as well as it does, given how poorly episode two screws up developing all the main relationships that need to be developed. Okay, the, I mean, for episode three to work the, to the to the to the max, which it it works well, but not as well as it could be. You need to establish three key relationships. You need to establish Anakin's relationship to Padme, which they try to do and fail horribly in episode two. You need to establish Anakin's relationship with Obi Wan, which they really don't establish at all because they spend most of the movie apart. We just suddenly jumped 10 years later and they're best buddies and they got all this banter going on. And I'm sorry, there's no depth or dimensionality to that relationship. And you also need to develop Anakin's relationship to Palpatine because that is extremely important by the time we get to episode three. And that is nowhere to be found in episode two. It, it, this is – it's – it's – it boggles my mind how George Lucas could sit down and say, this is a movie about the fall of Anakin Skywalker and the fall of the Republic, of the Republic parallel to that, and not develop Anakin's relationships with the people around him in a meaningful way. Um, it, 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 it really, really bothered me on the most recent rewatch. You're right, the second act of this movie... Is, is garbage, stops the movie dead in its tracks. I think the third act, as a result, is completely uh, just, it's a chore. It's boring. 
to sit through as a result because I don't care about any of these these things going on. I don't care about Count Dooku. I, I, I just, it's a lot of C, flashy CGI nonsense. See, um, uh, interesting, interesting, because, you know, I think this is where I start my, my controversial statements in which, you know, I agree with Matt. I think that the 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 series gets better as it goes along with these prequels. And um, I, I honestly think that Hayden Christensen is not that bad in this movie. I think he acts uh, his age in this movie because he's he's like a seventeen year old. He's a petulant teenager who who isn't getting his way, and he's whiny about it. And I think he acts that perfectly. And I think uh, uh, people give him undue criticism because of his, the way he delivers his dialogue. But I think it's it's delivered the way a seventeen year old would deliver some some of the stuff that he's given here, and. And Andrew, I'm going to kind of disagree with you with the relationships that's built in this movie. Now, the thing is, it, it's it's the dialogue and how everything is is delivered that's piss poor. But the the elements around it, the meanings of it, are actually constructed, I think, in an interesting way. I think that they're 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 pretty much. It, it, it's it's something that I use I usually hate in movies in which they tell you things and they don't show you the 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 dialogue in here is telling you everything there's nothing that's showing you anything it, it, it's all telling you and expositing it to, to you but it's all for the greater purpose of this uh, franchise this series and this and this development uh, of of these characters and I think that that the uh the 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 parallel here you know is executed uh in a, an interesting manner i think i i do like it I, I i do like this movie more than the phantom menace because it serves a purpose i think everything you get with the jedi in this movie is fantastic to me you finally get a sense of the jedi council and the construction of it and and the high well not hierarchy but you know just the relationships of everybody and i don't know i i i just i i just uh like it um a bit more not not tremendously more just a bit more than the phantom menace and honestly yeah. the the term the phantom menace applies to this movie so much more so much more than the the term attack of the clones because because the phantom menace is you know Ian McDermott's character uh, Senator Palpatine and you finally get a sense of Senator Palpatine's un, uh trying to undermine everything in this movie so i see i disagree entirely i i, I feel like a lot of the political stuff is really undercooked. I mean, we get this crazy plot of, uh, of Obi-Wan investigating Kamino, and I like how, once again, Lucas is, is kind of trying to play with different genres. Like, the first one was a bright and friendly kids movie, and now we're getting into more of, like, a detective mystery kind of thing where Obi-Wan's trying to solve the case and figure out what's going on. And they get into all this stuff about, well, who who ordered the army and was it Sifo-Dyas? And, and then they kind of drop that and never really come back to it. And it, it, it seems very complicated. And again, it's, it's, it's like the kind of plot that you would find in a political thriller, in, in the kind of thing where you've got a guy trying to figure out what the conspiracy is that's going on. The problem is... 
so much time is spent on the action adventure stuff or on the romance stuff that the 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 background the thing that's going on that really defines the the fall of the republic it isn't really developed well at all in my opinion um, um and hayden christensen you can defend him all you want but he's awful in this movie he's just i I cannot believe the way he delivers some of his lines. Granted, they are terrible lines. That's terrible. the thing. Yeah. That's the I thing, mean, man. It goes around to everybody, I think. It, it's <laughs> the dialogue that these actors are given, that they are awful, awfully written pieces of dialogue. And I think other... Uh, honestly, I think the worst act, actor in this in this movie is is uh, Natalie Portman. I think she's the worst. You know, She's, she's pretty bad, yeah. She, she is yeah. given terrible lines, especially that whole... I love you line. I've always loved you line or whatever it is, is, is terrible. It's terribly delivered. She, she cannot save it for her life. Um, and uh, granted that whole, the whole sequence, you know, uh, that middle sequence you were talking about, about them falling in love, uh, uh, them going into the arena is, is just terribly, terribly written. And I, 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 I will actually defend hating Christensen in this movie. He says he's, he has this line. Uh, he says, "I wish I could wish away my feelings." Yeah, how is that his fault? It's not his fault. I'm just saying that who like I can't believe no one wrote <laughs> like read that script and was like, "Wait, you've got the word wish, wish twice. twice in four or five words." Like, come on, revise that sentence. I I can't believe it. it passed muster. I I really can't. I mean, Lucas Lucas um, had a uh, carte blanche on the on the script <laughs> to me though it's just the second act the second act is what needed to hit the second act is when he's with natalie portman and, and and falling in love with padme and uh the second act is also when his mother dies and this is a defining moment for the character okay we had the little bit with him and his mother in episode one here in episode two he has these visions of her, and she, I mean, she's barely on screen, which, first of all, I think is a problem. You need to find a way to write write the script in a way that the mother is on screen more before she dies. Uh, and also, you need to show that massacre. You need Why? to show Anakin just losing his mind and murdering the Tuscan Raider the children, Tuscan Raider. which is going to foreshadow how he's going to murder the Jedi children later on. You need to show that. And the fact that they don't just... I, I don't understand how you can have such a defining moment for the character that leads, again, is going to lead into episode three when he's worried about, am I going to lose Padme the way I lost my mother? The fact that they don't show that on screen is just it, it dooms the movie Matt? for me. I mean uh, the whole massacre scene I mean as, a, as an adult you kind of understand it's like uh, it's a PG movie also so they're not going to like necessarily show like decapitations of children and you know even though they are monsters so to speak in the film so it doesn't bother me so much because I get the implication that's like and he comes back with his you know awesome dialogue saying it wasn't just a man the children and the women, you know, so you get the point. So, I mean, that that's kind of, to me, that would be like a little bit of nitpicking. So it doesn't bother me so much. You understood that it's like, yeah, he killed an entire village of, 
you know, women and children, Tuscan Raiders and things like that. But of course, then it plays to Padme's like empty expression of like, oh, okay, I guess she <laughs> killed everybody. So it takes you out of that part just took me out of the moment where it's like there's there's no emotion to it. Like he's he's trying to give some type of emotion through his 17 year old angsty voice and everything like that. And he's like, you know, and I can kind of respect that. So it, it, it's kind of like it doesn't bother me so much. But then there's just more dialogue being spewed and it's, it, it takes me out of the moment where I'm like, oh, man, he's like he's like spilling his heart out to this like woman that he loves that she doesn't love him back right now that my mom's dead. I killed a bunch of innocent people. Uh, what do you think about that? And all it is is, oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's so yeah. ridiculous in that where it really takes you out of the moment. And thank goodness that's the end almost the end of the second act and goes into the third act. Yeah. But, um, but, but see, this is such a key moment for Anakin. I can't like everything. Around to me, it's so botched. I, I think it's, it's completely botched. Cause like you said, even if you show the massacre, maybe it would bring a little more like resonance and a little more meat to the story. But even tell, if you tell a chilling story to somebody, there should be more of a reaction than, Oh, okay. I'll hug you. It's like, no, there, there has to be something more to this moment where I saw my mom die in a dream and I didn't, I couldn't help her. So I'm even more mad about that. And I killed a bunch of people. It's like, there should be so much more to that. Also, I feel like they should have, like the first half of the movie should have been him trying to save his mom. I mean, he, 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 they talk in episode one about how he has this, and he's going to come back and free all the slaves. Episode two should have been about him actually trying to do that for whatever reason and failing. Yes. I would, I would have been fine with that. Right, and and really, really hammering home the fact that he and his mother had this strong connection, and he went back to try to save her, and he couldn't do. I uh, so also Don't this do that. The fact that also he uh, that he suddenly is all mad at Obi Wan, saying it's all Obi Wan's fault. He's holding me back. Oh, I mean, really, I really am ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, we we haven't seen that yet in their relationship. We haven't seen anything of him his relationship with Obi Wan except the the opening act where they're buddy buddy and they seem to work really well together, and it's. Just structurally, episode two to me is yeah. just such a, a misfire in so many ways. Yeah, and even that bothers me because you see it ten years later, and, and I think Lucas almost expects people to fill in the gaps of what happened ten years between episode one, the episode one, and episode two. And of course, there's books you could read books about the adventures of Anakin and Obi Wan doing stuff, but uh, I, I don't, I never felt like a connection. With the, I know there, you no know, Padawan learner and Jedi master. It's a strong, you know, connection. And even in episode three, they're even buddy buddies, but it's right in the middle of a battle, and you don't really understand like what they've gone through unless you've seen some of the expanding universe content. Which I think that's a failure on Lucas's part to expect an audience to really understand how good of friends these people are because yeah. you didn't get that in the original trilogy. No, I, you kind of got that, you know. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree with uh, that connection that you're talking about is is failed in these first two movies. I think it's it, it's made up for in the third movie, um, mm-hmm. but uh, in the first two movies, you're you're right. Uh, there, there's a failure there uh, for that connection. Um, but I also want to go back, Andrew. You had mentioned the look of the first film, and I say the look of the second film is really bad because there's so much digital work in this movie mm-hmm. that that is just so it really takes you out of a lot of moments with how many special effects are used to create these moments like when Jango Fett is firing upon uh um Obi-Wan uh, uh, on um 
uh, geonosis and uh, I'm just, I'm sorry not not geonosis the the water planet uh, where uh, Camino Camino yeah uh, and and it, it's just such a bad digital explosion and then even in Camino in in the hallways everything about that that structure is so digitized that you you don't get a sense of any sense of of uh, tactile reality um, he, he, you know I have a I have a coworker a friend who uh, who defends uh, everything Star Wars to the end of his life. Uh, and he defends the prequels, and he mentions, he, he points out all the practical effects, all the practical uh, props and sets that are, uh, and models that are used in these prequels. But I say to him, what good is that if they're dripping with CGI? If you, if you, you it's, it's good that you try to recreate some of the, uh, prop effects from the original trilogy in these prequels, but what good does it do when you can't even tell what is what? And and that goes hand in hand. I think throughout this whole film, this whole second film is just it, it's just so digitized and does I think the, is the worst looking of all of them. I agree with you. I, I definitely <laughs> think it's the worst looking. Um, I again want to point out the color palette. I like the idea of having most of the action scenes uh, take place at either uh, sunrise or sundown, and and especially in that final act, you have a lot of orange uh, glow, which I you know they're trying to show this transition from the brightness of episode one into the darkness of episode three. I like that idea, but again, it's execution totally off. Yeah, I mean, I, we're just so accustomed as old Star Wars fans. You're accustomed to practical sets, practical props, things that are tangible, and if things that you feel like you can see in your own reality, not an augmented reality. You, you can reach out and touch this. There's nothing in this film that I can reach out and touch, and even some of the awkward, like uh, oh, the, um, when Obi Wan goes into the uh, cafe in uh, Coruscant and meets his buddy, his uh, big sluggish looking buddy with forearms and he's giving him a hug yeah and it's this super weird awkward hug that it's like you know i've i've hugged some big guys in my life that are pretty wide fellows i've never hugged somebody that awkwardly in my entire life with a weird back pat that's super quick yeah and uh, of course you can't you know talk about digital effects without the uh, what is it the fruit scene of jedi oh yeah oh boy you have things like that too <laughs> that just are awkward and weird and maybe as a kid you're like oh okay i can look past that now but as an adult who see, has seen good effects and then you see this it's very disheartening to see that ilm can put something out like that granted it's 2002 so it's to be still relatively beginning of really good digital effects so i give it slight a slight pass but some of the it's locales and some of the effects are just uh, they, they make me very wary. <laughs> uh, anything about the end of this film? You know, the whole uh, Dooku Yoda thing. Uh, anything? Uh, the the slight reveal of the Death Star plans. Uh, any anything you want to mention at about the end of this film before we move on? Um, I really don't like the final fight. I, uh, I it's the core. There's and I, I I would say this about most of the lightsaber fights in the prequels, with a few exceptions. There's too many close-ups. There's very few wide shots where you actually get a feel for the choreography. A lot of it is just close-ups on people's faces, and you can't really get a sense of the fight. Um, and also, this is a this is a small 
nitpick, and you can tell I'm a total nerd <laughs> by the fact I'm even pointing this out. But the way they rotoscoped the lightsabers is different from how they did it in the original trilogy. Sure. And I think you can tell a noticeable difference. I think the oh, yeah. lightsabers in the prequels look far more fake somehow. The the glow is is a bit more saturated and a bit harsher. Well, I mean, weren't weren't they drawn in on the cells in the original trilogy? Probably. Yeah, but, but, I would think so. But for whatever reason, I think the lightsabers in the prequels are too... They just draw. They draw attention to themselves too much. Well, yeah, and it seems like they have a glow. Like they have a uh, when when they're slicing or they're doing like a uh, downward slice or something. There's like this kind of like it looks like they're just moving very quickly, and there's like a glow behind it too. Whereas yes. the original just had one. It was like here you go. I have a stick, and of course right. it's a lightsaber stick. It became more stylized. And going to the final fight, I think. The Yoda fight was a little bit of pandering to the locals and pandering to fans that are like, I want to see Yoda do something. It's like, here you go. Yoda's going to do a lightsaber hmm. fight. But what was so cool about Yoda in the original ones is that he's like this old Jedi master who can move X-Wings out of swamps and things like that. And he didn't need a, he didn't need a lightsaber to be a badass. Now suddenly Yoda needs a lightsaber to be a badass and not the powers of the Force. So, Well, I mean, he, he only used it when... Uh, uh, as a last resort, essentially. Yeah, I mean, but even if you were an all-knowing like Jedi Master with old Master of the Force, I mean, you could Jedi mind trick Dooku or do something without your hand, like without a lightsaber. So. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the Force. I did. I completely forgot. What are your uh, opinions about midichlorians? Oh boy, I, I thought we were going to get away from this. <laughs> I think we have to mention this. It's, we're not in the first episode anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that answers the question, uh, Andrew. Oh my god. Um, I have mixed feelings about them. Um, on the one hand, I don't like that they they took away the more spiritual oriented side of the force to make it more biological. On the other hand, I do like the idea of. Anakin being the, the the chosen one because he was literally conceived by the Force, um, and 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 the midichlorians were the biological thing that made that happen. I I kind of like that, um, and I'm not sure how to find the balance between that. Unless you just, I mean, I guess theoretically you could just say, oh hey, the Force conceived him, and leave him at and leave it at that. Um, I like the idea of the force being his quote unquote father, um, you know, and whether midichlorians are the best way to do that. Uh, probably not. I, I, I am, uh, I agree with your sentiments, Andrew. I, 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 I although I may be relatively more indifferent towards it than anything else. I, either way, we can move on. Um, yeah. So, uh, and we can move on into episode three. Well, well, before we move on okay. to episode three, I, yep. can I just say, if not to just crap all over episode two, can I can I say a few things I like sure. about episode two? Go ahead. Sure. Okay, I do like the uh, the space chase between Django and Obi Wan. I, I really like the sound design. Oh yeah. In yeah, that the, scene, the lack of music, I really did like that a lot. Yeah. Yes, I think that that is a very, very well done scene, and I also really like the opening uh, chase scene 
through the uh, streets of Coruscant uh, with Anakin jumping off the speeder and, and all that. I think that is all done very, very well. Hmm. Anytime mm-hmm. when there's not so much dialogue, it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> minimal dialogue. <laughs> Keep the dialogue to a minimum. I love it. <laughs> I, I, and, I, also, I, and also, I know this is a uh, I, I, – I don't know how intentional this was, but I like the fact that um, – the the real beginnings of the fall of the republic, the giving of emergency <laughs> powers to Palpatine is done by Jar Jar. I do kind of like that. that gag. You, you of course you would. <laughs> yeah, I love how it's all Jar Jar's fault. It's great. Yeah, of course, it's, it, like, it gets played on the like, whole thing. Oh no, we spent it with Jar Jar. Just pin it all on him. <laughs> um, I, I will say one thing. Uh, I do like Jango Fett in this film. I think he, the actor does a pretty decent job with what he's given plus it's the dad of boba fett and i love boba fett so i like that whole element of another cool bounty hunter even though he meets a you know untimely demise i mean if you're gonna get killed you might as well get killed by samuel jackson though so right that's that's pretty cool and uh midi chlorian one more thing um it's not a horrible idea but just the idea that one thing can just make you a powerful Jedi kind of bothers me. Where is see, see, and I, the other and the other one, it's like you train to become a Jedi, not just oh, I have chlorians. I know the Force. Like, no, uh, I, I disagree because it is a symbi- symbiotic thing, and and it's it, you, you may have a high. Uh, we can get into it. We, it's not even worth getting into. Yeah. Uh, well, but, okay, yeah, we won't get into it. But the whole thing is that if you have a high count, there's no right. explanation about like your your count is high. And then they leave it at that. It's like he has a no more than Master Yoda, right? And then and then conversation dropped. You never, you literally do not hear about mini chlorians again after that conversation, right? Right, and probably for the better. Anyways, okay, <laughs> uh, um, okay. So episode three, uh, you know, I think everybody, not just us, I think have already said so, but I, I've heard a pretty much consensus from many other uh, people talking about this already is that this is the best of the of the uh, prequels um, and Matt wh- what 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 is your reaction to this film who um, a lot of people won't agree with me but this to me and it's it's not a popular uh, uh, opinion this is probably my second favorite Star Wars film behind Empire I don't trust you Anakin. they see your future they know your power will be too strong to control. You must break through the fog of lies the Jedi have created around you. Let me help you to know the subtleties of the Force. How do you know the ways of the Force? My mentor taught me everything about the Force, even the nature of the dark side. You know the dark side? Anakin, if one is to understand the great mystery, one must study all its aspects, not just the dogmatic narrow view of the Jedi. If you wish to become a complete and wise leader, you must embrace a larger view of the Force. Be careful of the Jedi, Anakin. Only through me can you achieve a power greater than any Jedi. Learn to know the dark side of the Force, and you will be able to save your wife from certain death. What did you say? Use my knowledge. I beg you. You're the Sith Lord. 
I know what's been troubling you. Listen to me. Don't continue to be a pawn of the Jedi Council. Ever since I've known you, you've been searching for a life greater than that of an ordinary Jedi. A life of significance, of conscience. Are you going to kill me? I would certainly like to. Last time you saw him? Yesterday. Do you know where he is now? No. Padme, I need your help. He is in grave danger. From the Sith? From himself. Padme, Anakin has turned to the dark side. You're wrong. How could you even say that? I have seen a security hologram of him killing younglings. Not Anakin. He couldn't. He was deceived by a lie. We all were. It appears that the Chancellor is behind everything, including the war. Palpatine is the Sith Lord we've been looking for. After the death of Count Dooku, Anakin became his new apprentice. I love you. Liar! No! You're with him! You brought him here to kill me! No! Let her go, Anakin! Anakin! Let her go! <gasps> you turned her against me! You have done that yourself. You will not take her from me! Your anger and your lust for power have already done that. You have allowed this Dark Lord to twist your mind until now... Until now you have become the very thing you swore to destroy. Don't lecture me, Obi-Wan. I see through the lies of the Jedi. I do not fear the dark side as you do. I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy! If you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. I will do what I must. You will try.
Where is Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? It seems in your anger you killed her. I... I couldn't have. She was alive. I felt it. something about this film that i really like it it i'm drawn to it i think it's dark like empire strikes back it, it strikes to me if you take out dialogue and you take out a few other things it strikes this perfect balance between uh return of the jedi and an empire strikes uh the empire strikes back it has that political intrigue still running through it's got a really dark tone to it you actually see the fall of uh, the Republic and the rise of the Empire. Um, there's some cool lightsaber stuff. There's some uh, I like the opening scene a lot. Um, unfortunately, you kind of get rid of a character. I like General Grievous a lot, even though they get rid of him and you don't really explain his coughing unless you watch the Clone Wars series, which I think is a problem. Um, so there's a th- few things you got to fill blanks in there. But I really like this movie. This movie is very very watchable, and I can watch this probably as many times as I can watch Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Matt, uh, I am in complete agreement with you. Th- now, I don't know if it's my my second favorite, but I will say, now I'm able to, to separate my favorite and what I think is the best. I, and here's my controversial opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it is the second best Star Wars film of all six so far. I, I so far, so, so far. far. <laughs> I, I think it is the second best of all six. I think Empire Strikes Back is obviously the best one of all of them, but I think that this one is the second best because it, uh, exactly as you were saying, I think it melds everything about Star Wars, about this story, about these people perfectly together. I think it is highly enjoyable. I think it is one of the most fun of uh, to watch of all of them. Uh, every uh, thing is, I think is executed so well. It's just amazing uh, to see how, how much more passion there is in this the making of this film from George Lucas because, like I said, 60% of his idea of the prequels are in this movie. And I think that shows the passion in the, the uh, in this movie. Uh, uh, it, it just oozes off the screen, and and it helps that the all the actors are much more familiar with their roles. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that uh, Ewan McGregor and Ian McDermott are the unsung heroes of this movie. Uh, I think. Uh, Palpatine's character, played by Ian McDermott, is amazing. His there's this one scene in the opera scene where he's discussing, he's talking about the the dark side of the Force to Anakin and really uh, getting under Anakin's skin about how uh, how it can be used because he knows what Anakin is going through is is such a great great scene, you know, and that music behind it really adds to that element uh, of what's going on. I I, I love this movie. 
love it. And, and that's the thing, too. I, like I said, I hadn't seen this in a few years. I remember when I came out of seeing this in the theater in 2005, I was literally skipping. I was high. <laughs> I, was, I, was in, I had enjoyed this movie so much. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And uh, I was really wondering how I was going to react uh, to this movie again, you know, with a little bit more uh, age and seasoning. And sure enough, it, it's pretty much the same exact thing. I, I love this movie. Andrew. I think you're crazy. <laughs> Andrew, I, I had a feeling Andrew was like seething the entire time. We were like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm not movie. seething. <laughs> I, I'm not seething. I mean, look, it's definitely the best of prequels. You're not going to get any denial from me there. But to say that it's the second best of the saga i think you're i think you're nuts um this this movie is very good considering how poorly it was set up in the previous two films and i think that they they managed to do a lot with what little they gave themselves to work with um with that being said i think the first act to the movie is pretty pretty bad I think the second act is better, and I think the third act is very, very strong. And I really, really love the way that the third act goes down overall, especially the final fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And it, it feels very Shakespearean and, and dramatic, and I think that Hayden Christensen does a much better job communicating anger and and fear yes. than he does the teenage angst agreed um yeah, most so I, this is definitely the the strongest of the prequels I, it's i think you could cut grievous out entirely once again this is that one of the big problems with the prequels is that they don't have a solid villain mm-hmm. really um and i know it's supposed to be palpatine but again palpatine as palpatine really isn't on screen much and that, and that 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 does affect episode three. I mean, there's a moment in episode three when Anakin tells Obi Wan, you know, I can't I can't do this to Senator Palpatine. Senator Palpatine's my friend. He's been there for me for so long. And I'm like, well, we haven't seen that. You're you're telling us this, but you haven't shown. Us. And again, a lot of the problems with the episode three is just because we're we're being told things that we should have been shown in episode mm-hmm. two that we were not. Um. So I think that, that the problems of episode three are mainly due to the structure of the prequels as a whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like because we are looking at this as a whole. I mean, it's like, of course, this is the culmination of the entire prequel. So and I think the other two films do leave quite a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So I think some like the consensus might also be like, well, this is better than the other two. <laughs> and I think that's, that's unfortunate. I think because the structure, eh, it's still even the structure in the, in the, in the uh, original trilogy, they're not great. I mean, we're not talking about like, you know, Shakespearean actors acting their way up, maybe uh, Alec Guinness, of course, or something like that. Right. But I mean, none of these films are like acted superiorly or anything like that. So I'll give the acting. I mean, the acting of course is better in the original trilogy, but um, I think cause we're, we're holding the original trilogy as such a high gold standard, like the best trilogy of all time. You so know, it's, that's that's an interesting thing. That's the thing I, I also wanted to touch on is 
is is it even possible to be objective when looking at these movies and even when we go into episode seven because there's no other franchise no other set of films that are so ingrained in popular culture that have such a a, a stranglehold on on the imagination of people from all ages all ages uh, that is it even possible to be completely objective about these films and the future films going forward? Uh, it, it, it's difficult. I mean, I growing up being a Star Wars fan and loving it and seeing something that wasn't as good as the original, it's 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 completely like I, I can never be impartial to Star Wars comparing original trilogy to uh, the prequels and even the next trilogy that's coming out. Um, you're always going to think about I'm always going to think about Empire being one of my f- top 10 films of all time and Revenge of the Sith is not you know a top 10 film for me you know neither is Jedi or uh, New Hope or any other ones but it's it's hard unless you're like some kid who's never seen a Star Wars film in your entire life you have no like if you were in a jury for the OJ Simpson trial it's like I don't know who OJ Simpson is so I'm completely impartial they're not going to find many impartial people that don't have an opinion about Star Wars already. So it's it's difficult. It's tough going to really uh, not compare the uh, the films. Andrew, I mean, I I, I agree, and I, it's been a while since I you know I haven't rewatched the original trilogy yet in anticipation of Episode Seven. So I I, I don't know what I'm going to think on next time I see them. But <laughs> it is true that it is hard to be objective. The original trilogy is so celebrated. Um, that said, I've been avoiding all the hype around Episode Seven, and I really don't know a lot about it because I'm hoping to go into the theater blind and be blown away. I don't know so, how you're avoiding anything, man. It's so hard. It's the hard internet, man. Doing it. I'm doing it. I don't know how, but I've managed to do it. The force so, is strong with you. Yes, it's strong with me. Uh, I mean, is I'm there... hoping Episode Seven. But, but getting back to episode three really quickly, uh, I do want to say that episode three has what could be the most restrained and and artsy or cinematic moment of the entire saga, in my opinion, which is the scene in which Anakin and Padme are just staring at across the city. Sure. And you can tell they're thinking of each other, and there's no dialogue, and it's really just a minute or two of them standing in silence staring and thinking and then you can tell Anakin's thinking of her she's thinking of him and he makes that decision to commit to Palpatine and that to me is is Lucas at his most mature I think and his most restrained and I wish that he was that restrained throughout the prequel trilogy in in, in some ways no, I, I I agree with you, and uh, I, I know it, it's it's that. It, it, I, I've already said, you know, it, it, there's so much in this movie that just works for me. Um, that it, the opening the opening to this movie is fantastic. The opening battle sequence, uh, I, I think, is so wonderfully executed, and it's just eye-poppingly gorgeous um and and it's kind of what you've been hoping for for the from the first two films to see something as epic as this you know and 
and the the way it's it's done and 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 how how it culminates in the crash landing i don't know i just i just really like that and also within there there's another quiet moment of palpatine convincing anakin to kill dooku and that's another key moment in their relationship there which i think is just handled so well and i love those little turns in ian mcdermott's voice that you get to hear the emperor that you know you know uh, i and how later on in the film you get to see him uh, uh, flick his his lightsaber out of his sleeve. That's just so well done. And he, the way he moves is so snake-like, totally in, in line with his personality, you know? Uh, it, 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 like I said, Ian McDermott is, I think, just amazing in this film. Well, I, I will agree with you there. And the, the one thing I will say is a bit of a disagreement is that yes, that moment when Anakin kills Dooku is is good, I guess, given what what we have, but I can't help but imagine how much more powerful that moment would have been if we had spent most of episode two developing Anakin and Palpatine in that relationship, or just showing more of Dooku and, and making Dooku be be more of a character. As it is, Dooku's really not there for much of the saga he's there in the last act of episode two and then for a few minutes in episode three he's he's not a character that we should really care about when he dies you know i don't know if that's really meant to care about his character i think it's more to progress anakin's oh sure struggle but again yeah. we we don't there, we don't get any sense of the conflict between dooku and anakin or the fact that dooku you know they've been they've been trying to track him down for years and years and years and years and kill him and we we don't really get a feel for that or any of the the rage Anakin might feel because Dooku chopped off his arm and again that just goes back to the structural issues with the prequels as yeah. a whole. Well, I think a part of that problem is too is that you you had so many extra little layers you had the Clone Wars series and you had other things in between Episode two and Episode three, and I think. The filmmakers, including Lucas, whoever wrote or helped co-write, uh, co they anticipated people to watch some of these extra things that came up on TV to hopefully fill in the gaps of the hunt for Dooku or the hunt for General Grievous or uh, relationship building with Padme and Anakin or relationship building with uh, um, the um, Palpatine and, um, and Anakin, of course. But I, I do like... The fact that one scene where he does kill, where he dispatches Dooku, that you you're getting more of the feel of how the dark side works because you thought in episode two that Dooku and um, Palpatine they were tight, they were homeboys, and then at the end he's just like kill him. I don't give a shit about this guy. He means nothing to me right now. So all I'm doing is leading you as the viewer. You're seeing he's leading him further and further down the dark side to eventually become. Darth Vader, who we know, so most well, of that's unsaid. But you know, you, if you read into it, it makes a little makes it a little bit easier to swallow. I think. Well, and I think that's why I really wish that the the political side of this story was focused on a bit more after Episode One because it plays. You know, Episode One is so political, probably more political than it needs to be, given that it's the first installment. But I feel like the political situation is very important in episodes two and three. Yes. And we, you know, Palpatine is there in the background. And you could argue he doesn't really have a plan except that he's, the, he's a manipulator. He plays both sides. Right. He wants to start a war between two sides. And he'll, he'll just side with whoever the victor is, the Republic or the Trade Federation. 
and I don't think we really get of him pulling the strings of that as much as we could. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's you don't see the puppet mastery see, at, I, on I, screen per se. I disagree. Right. I, I, I and I understand. Yeah, he's supposed to be in the shadows, and he's supposed to be doing it all in secret. But I still think that there's we we could have gotten more of that, more hints of seeing how Palpatine really is manipulating everything. See, I don't know. If we had gotten more of that, then we would have gotten more of the Senate and the deliberations and and that whole structure, and it just wouldn't have been... I'm fine with that. No, I would not not have been fine with that. I just just disagree on that sentiment. Um, So what about the end of episode three, where, you know, you get the the battle, the the fight between uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, how that results, and and, and the... You see... I, I love that whole fight scene, but I think what's really amazing is the the back and forth editing cutting of the essential essentially the creation of Darth Vader as we know him uh, in the suit and the birth of the twins and the death of of a Padme that back and forth that editing I think is really well done. I agree. I agree. Even though um, shortly after that we get the no, <laughs> which is, again, execution is poor. I like the idea of Darth Vader's first words being, where's Padme? What happened to Padme? Mm-hmm. And, and, and his first moments as Darth Vader being tragic. Yeah. Um, I, I like that idea. The execution's off. But I, but I agree. The cross-cutting is really, really good. And I also like how they keep cutting back to uh, Yoda and right. Sidious mm-hmm. in the Senate chamber, yes. which I think is perfect. I mean, we need to have this final battle take place in the Senate chamber because really they are fighting for the soul of a government. And I love that idea and, and overall how it was executed in episode three. Yeah, I, I like that too. When it, it's an interesting thing you bring up about the soul of a government. I guess the soul of like religion when you think about it too, because it's you know the light side of the force versus the dark side of the force. Like, and to be fair, I mean they're both all powerful people, whereas like the Senate was made up of just normal everyday people working to build like an a republic that made sense. But then you have these two superhumans for the most part fighting it out to see who's actually going to become like the main religion and like the main government deep down to, cause what happened if Yoda wins? Like what would happen if Yoda becomes, he, he strikes down the Sith and then what you rebuild the Republic after, you know, but all the Jedis are dead. So is Yoda going to be, I mean, it and brings we, up interesting. And we don't have the original trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have the either, but I mean, let's say you just started this from the beginning and right, then you right. worked your way up or something like that. Hypothetically speaking, how we would, play out and how interesting it might be uh, but also with the editing you're saying at the end cutting between Darth Vader and I, I, so I get goosebumps when I think about that scene of like being put in the suit and you know you were near death and you were brought back by this guy who you didn't know manipulated you the entire way to this you becoming just a shell of a person at the, at the, uh, at the very end of it so it's um, good good filming I mean overall this is probably the strongest filmmaking Lucas has had since probably New Hope, I would say. I not sure. Yeah, I agree. And then I, I like how it ultimately ties in some of the stuff at the end. You know, just mm-hmm. those little little uh, little knots. You know, at the end uh, to get you into 
uh, episode four. So, I mean, uh, is let, let's just um, grade the each of these films before we uh, tie this up uh, um, uh, going going forward. So, uh, uh, Andrew, what would you give Phantom Menace? Um, I would give Phantom Menace a. A C plus. Okay, uh, Matt. I would give Phantom Menace a. Uh, since we've been talking about it, I, I, I'll give it better than I gave it last time, so I'll give it a D. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, depending on what mood you catch me on, it's either a C or a C plus, you know, um, uh, for me. So, I, I and um, episode two, Attack of the Clones, Andrew. I would give that one a D. <laughs> Matt, I'll give that a uh, I'll give it a C. Wow, I'm much more forgiving uh, than, than you guys. I'd give it a B. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Revenge of the Sith, Andrew. Um, B. Matt, give us a B plus. Wow, uh, I, like I said, uh, how much I like it, I give it an A. Oof. I know, I know. That's that's how much I like it. Um, <laughs> So I mean, uh, what? Um, how how do you like how this ties into the uh, the original trilogy, and and how do you like the uh, how do you see the original trilogy go uh, then uh, going forward into Episode Seven, uh, Matt? Whew, uh, wow! The if you're looking at it from Episode One to Three, and then going into Four, Five, and Six, um, there. There were certain things that are interesting that's come to my attention now when I watch episode four, five, and six, but there isn't enough per se that would make me even think about, I wouldn't need to watch the prequels again to enjoy four, five, and six. There isn't really a lot of addition to the characters. The only thing you really know is that Luke and Leia are twins, if you watch it in order, of course. Uh, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen no of these movies, you know, you're out of the loop, I guess. Um, so there isn't really a lot of things that will, I mean, there's some of the Alderaan stuff is cool where you see like uh, where Leia's from, where she got dropped off to where Luke was dropped off. So some of that stuff is pretty cool to lead into the uh, original trilogy. And now going into episode seven now, um, uh, of course, Andrew hasn't seen any of the trailers or, uh, you know, teasers, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but it, it gets me excited. It gets me, like, my heart pumping. Now we're going to see some practical sets, and we're going to see things that aren't 100% CG. And um, it's going to be more along the lines of Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. They're not going to cater to the child audience there. J.J. Abrams grew up as a fan like we did, and I think he's going to treat the source material with respect that it deserves and give us a Star Wars film that I'm super stoked about that I haven't been stoked about in a really long time. Andrew? Well, like I said, I haven't rewatched the original trilogy yet, so I can't really comment too much on that except to say, from what I remember, I, I feel like the transition from the prequels into the original trilogy was handled pretty well. And I can't say much about episode seven other than I hope it's good. And I'm really annoyed that Disney decided to get rid and of, of the old canon expanded universe and start throwing expanded universe. Yeah. Now that means all those novels I read as like, yeah. are meaningless. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, so um, I, I will be very interested to see how my rewatch of the original trilogy goes, you know, how, how this ties in. And, and uh, I'm, you know, obviously something like I, I mentioned before, something so ingrained in our childhoods, how, how, I'm, uh, how objective I can be and if that's even possible, you know. And then, yeah, of course I'm, I'm excited for episode um, seven. I mean, it was three, was it two, three years ago that it was, it was uh, announced that there was going to be another Star Wars movie? And and finally, Good last chance. year we got a trailer, and uh, I mean, ever since then, it's just you know. I remember when I first heard the news about there's going to be another Star Wars movie. I I said to myself, I do not envy the person who they eventually choose to direct this movie, um, because <laughs> because that is a, a almost a thankless job because you will never be able to please everybody, and and no matter how good this movie may be. There's always going to be uh, somebody out there who's just going to uh, detract it, you know. And that you can say that with any film, but still, with something that's so, so, uh, you know, meaningful to so many people, you know, it's. It, I don't envy J.J. Abrams at all. So. Yeah, but I mean, he turned Star Trek into something I can give two shits about, into something I actually really did enjoy. Because I've never been a Star Trek fan, never was a Trekkie, never cared about it. But then seeing what he did with something I could care less about and turning it into something really enjoyable, I mean, uh, this is something I love. So I don't know. Maybe I'm in for like the big, uh, the big hurt. I hope not, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, Andrew. Anything? Any last thing before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah, I, I have something to say about the the prequels as a whole. And I just want to throw this out there. Um, Years and years and years ago, I, I read somewhere online, someone posted an idea for how they wish the prequels had been structured that I actually think was was right on. Um, and their idea was episode one should have been the first half, Anakin as a kid. Second half should have been a lot of what we got in episode two with Anakin as a teenager. Uh, episode two should have been the Clone Wars really focused on Anakin and Obi-Wan, Anakin and Palpatine, all the political stuff going on, maybe some stuff with Anakin and his mother to make that have more impact. Episode 3, he should have become Darth Vader in the first half of the film, and the second half should have just been him killing Jedi. Hmm. And I thought that that was an interesting idea, if, if it had been structured that way, where actually instead of making his final transformation to Darth Vader, the, 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 the last part of episode three, what if it had actually been the first? Um, and I don't know. I thought that was an interesting idea. Uh, I do think overall, though, they, they, they needed more political stuff, Tim. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, Jeez. the political stuff is really important. You got to have all the stuff with the Senate. It's really important. Well, I think with what uh, Lucas was trying to go for with what he brought to the table... Yes, but I I think ultimately if you redo the the trilogy like you're talking about, you don't need it. You don't need it. It's not necessary. I mean, I I I, I think it is because everything would lean into the, the Clone Wars and how Palpatine manipulates both sides. I mean, let's be honest. The re, the the only villain 
that stays consistent throughout the prequel trilogy is Palpatine and Newt Gunray, the vice <laughs> Okay? And imagine, I, I find that interesting. Like, imagine if Newt Gunray, or just that idea of the vice character, the head of the Trade Federation, if, if, if the bureaucrat had been a really solid villain for the prequel trilogy, I think that would have been really, really interesting to have the the original trilogy be yes this is about the 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 rebel alliance and this trying to overthrow the the empire so that's going to be the more action oriented trilogy and now the prequel trilogy is going to be the more political conspiracy detective kind of trilogy i i think it would have been interesting if they had structured the uh the prequel trilogy in such a way that in almost in terms of genre, if they had, if they felt very different. Andrew, this is why I brought you on the show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> exactly. Good. I'm glad this reason. up to it. Uh, well, let me ask you. Th- let me ask you guys this about the political, since you, you enjoy it so much, Andrew. Uh, how much? How many scenes of action would you pretty much like delete from this in order to concentrate more on that? Like, would you delete an entire Padre scene? in order to maybe concentrate more on the political dealings of Newt Gunray and the Trade Federation and and, and maybe even Palpatine and Darth Maul and things like that. Oh, like absolutely. How, like, like, I mean, as you, well as, yeah. the, as the pod race scene is constructed, a lot of that can be cut. A lot of episode one, in fact, could be, could be cut. And... Um, even stuff like the arena fight in episode two in the in the third act could be cut. I just think it could be structured a, a, a lot more efficiently to both develop the character of Anakin while you're developing the political stuff in the background with Palpatine going mm-hmm. on and really, really hammer home the parallel, the fact that as Anakin is falling, so is the Republic, and Palpatine is there pulling the strings behind it all. Um and oh gosh, there was something else I was gonna say, and I can't quite remember what it was. But anyway, yeah, I, I think overall the prequels, if they had just been structured better, they could have they could have really been something amazing instead of some really disappointing movies, and then a pretty good one. Yeah, I agree. Well, even with um, final thought for me, just on the, on the original trilogy, because when you do think back to the original trilogy, there aren't all that many action scenes. There are there's a lot of dialogue scenes. There's a lot of uh, kind of at the Death Star or at the uh, Imperial Star Destroyer, you know, Darth Vader talking to either Moff Tarkin or uh, Palpatine or something along those lines. And they didn't rely on, I mean, you had some space scenes, you had the speeder bike chase, you had the, you know, the, uh, the land speeder chase and on Hoth. But for the most part, you had a lot of dialogue explaining things as opposed to having to rely on action scenes. And I don't know if just Lucas was going for a complete detour or departure from the original trilogy to include, you know, a slight, you know, political drama with all these other bombastic um, action scenes. But if it was structured more like the original trilogy, I think the prequels would get get a lot more love from a lot of people. All right. Oh, oh one last thing. I remember what I was going to say. Yep. I'm going to end on a positive note. Okay. I'm going to end on a positive note. I like how the prequels show us a lot more of the Star Wars universe for better and for worse, to, to, in some cases. You know, everyone loves the scene in A New Hope at the Moss Eisley Cantina because it's like, oh my goodness, there's so many cool creatures, so many cool aliens, I wonder where they're from, I want to know what their deal is. And 
unfortunately, for various reasons, you know, the thing with the uh, uh, original trilogy is that they go to a lot of different planets, but with the exception of Endor in Return of the Jedi, they aren't really interacting with a lot of aliens. They're interacting with other humans on these other cool planets. And I like how the prequels take us to several new planets and just several new creatures and types of beings in this universe. And yeah, sometimes they're kind of dumb, like the pod race announcers. Uh, and, and, but other times, I, you know, I think they're pretty cool. And I, I like the variety that were shown. And I do think that the prequels did expand the Star Wars universe in, in that way, which is pretty cool. And I think we can all agree that uh, is the last point, right? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. This was a lot of fun. Where Thanks can, for having me on. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at WriterAndrew. Uh, Matt, thank you as well. Uh, where can people find you online? Find us at uh, simplisticreviews.net. Uh, find us on uh, Letterboxd, Simplistic Reviews, and on Twitter handle at simple tweeters awesome thank you both again so much um okay that does it for this bonus episode of the first time watchers podcast download our episodes on itunes feel free to leave a review any feedback is greatly appreciated stay tuned for our next episode we'll probably be discussing something very interesting this has been the first time watchers podcast because we like to watch Did It'll you, be all right. Did you It'll just? Right. Did you really just come back from the Hunger Games? Yes, Andrew. Uh, I did, Andrew. After my week, my uh, I totally <laughs> forgot about recording, and my uh, coworkers were like, "We're gonna go see Hunger Games. You should come with us and have a few drinks after your oh, okay. week." Perfect. And I was like, "Yes." And then like an hour and a half before the movie, I was like, "Oh shit!" I got a message to him about. Record. No, well, that's it's funny you say that because I saw that post on, that you were tagged on Facebook, and I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, what's the timing of this uh, Facebook post? Yeah, <laughs> it's a Throwback Thursday or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, for some reason, I was like, at first, I was like, wait, is the twentieth of Friday or the Saturday? What is today? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I, oh, I hope the, I hope the movie was worth it. Then. Yeah, how was it? Uh, I really liked the movie. Really liked the movie. Uh, the last scene is garbage, but other than that, it's very good. Did you did you enjoy the whole franchise? 
Uh, I think the movies have gotten better as they've progressed. It's interesting. I saw the first really? movie. I saw the first movie. I was not impressed. I, I, yeah, I was... I'm. I'm not a fan of the first movie. The second one was a little bit better, but still just kind of so-so. And then I really liked the third one, and I really liked the fourth one overall. Hmm. See, I like I like the first one a lot. I like that kind of gritty, dark, kids killing kids, shaky cam type of thing to it. I don't know. There was something about the first. Yeah, one. Yeah, I, I didn't think it. it was dark enough. See, yeah, of course it was PG thirteen. Yeah, it's like they could have went could have went battle royale dark, but of but course, I think the you know, third and fourth ones actually do a pretty good job of of capturing a lot of the darker stuff. Okay, well that's got my that piques my interest then. If that's the case, 